0: Welcome to Bitcast on Podcast 1, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Well, Kingdom Hearts 3 has come and gone. For a lot of people, that was an experience 13 years in the making. But that's not entirely true because they didn't really start Kingdom Hearts 3 until sometime around 2013 or so. They were putting all their efforts onto. Days and Birth by Sleep, Recoded, Dream Drop Distance, even the phone games. The process of waiting for Kingdom Hearts 3 from reveal to release was more of a six-year wait than anything else. That's less than half. But, anyway, it's finally over. It finally happened. Kingdom Hearts 3 is now, a what? I don't really want to say a thing of the past that makes it sound like it's like way too old, but regardless, it happened. And that was them sort of closing the book on the major mythos of the series. They want to keep making more games. that was actually a widely known statement that some people missed, was that they were always going to make more games after 3. It's just that Kingdom Hearts 3 would be the end of... All the stuff dealing with Xehanort seeking the darkness or whatever that was supposed to be. And I could see from the ending of Kingdom Hearts 3 what kinds of things they were kind of setting up for. But what would they do next? Well, like any numbered Kingdom Hearts game, the next thing they do is make a spin-off. So, we get out of nowhere one day... Kingdom Hearts, Melody of Memory, announced for most modern consoles. Kingdom Hearts Rhythm Game, that's crazy talk. And yet, here it is. I think people were more surprised that there's actual lore and canon plot development to this game beyond just hit the buttons in time with the music. But... Yeah, there's actual plot. Not a whole lot of plot, but it seems like they're making the jump from Kingdom Hearts 3 to 4 a little more expedient than the jump from 2 to 3, at least by my gathering. You really never know what they're doing with this series anymore. It's kind of amazing. I'll be spoiling some things related to that, and as well as, like, experiences that people want to have firsthand with this game. This is kind of a overview after spending a whole weekend playing this game. So there's your spoiler warning now. But anyway, yeah, Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory, it's kind of Kyrie's big game in the series, except not really... You barely play as Kyrie, and yet she's considered the main character of the game. The story mode is World Tour. You go through a really big world map that takes you to almost every world the series has had, even duplicates like the different versions of Hollow Bastion, and every once in a while Kyrie will narrate what happened in the different games, and it's a Pretty good narration, if I have to say so myself. It really summarizes most of the big talking points of each game and what the big takeaways were. They cut out a lot of the little fluff, but they really summarize it in bite-sized bursts that are easy enough to understand. If you're willing to play a rhythm game to get those bursts, there you go, you can understand the The whole story of the series. And it goes in pretty chronological order. They make you play songs from the first game. And then they go to songs from Chain of Memories and Days. And then Kingdom Hearts 2. Then a little bit of Coded before going into Birth by Sleep and Dream Drop Distance. And then songs from Kingdom Hearts 3. You have different forms of stages. Most of them are just field stages where Sora, Donald, and Goofy or random party assortments like Roxas, Axel, and Shion, Aqua, Terra, and Ventus, Riku, and two Dream Eaters. They will go through this Uh, I don't don't know the terms for music sheets, but it looks like the bar that has all the notes on it. And they will run along something like that and attack different enemies that show up. It's really cool to see all the different enemy types come back. They have the Heartless, of course, but they also have Nobodies, Unversed, and Dream Eaters all back together. They don't have literally all of them all together, but... It's pretty cool to see some of the enemies that haven't made any appearance since their debut. Like, they have the Tron Heartless back. And they all function kind of similar to each other. A lot of them are basically just alternate skins of each other. But it's still just really good fan service, I feel like. They have a lot of reused assets. They're all the PlayStation 2 era models from every game before Fragmentary Passage. And that's kind of cheap, but that also frees them up to have a lot of content from the other games all packed together. So I really like that. It's just... It dethrones Kingdom Hearts 2 as having the best and widest world selection in the whole series. It's only disputed by the fact that you don't actually explore these worlds, and you don't even get all the party members, but if you wanted to have a list, then yeah, it's a pretty good-looking list, at least. I named all the main characters, but... There's also the fact that you get some guest characters. I haven't found a way to get them to come back, though. Then again, I also haven't done a lot of free play mode. I've mostly just done the world tour. But you get occasional guest appearances by the usual suspects, Aladdin, Ariel, Peter Pan. Whenever you do a song in one of their worlds, they just randomly replace Donald or Goofy on and Axel or Ventus and Terra or so-and-so and so-and-so. And that's really cool. Get them all to come back for a little bit. And uh, there's not really a whole lot to they do. They're just basically another skin for Goofy or Donald or the Dream Eaters. Or... They don't even get voice clips. This game is actually pretty light on voice clips like Sora, Roxas, Aqua and Riku get voice clips but everyone else is just kind of silent. Anyway, the field stages, your your characters are running along to the scenery of the different worlds and beating the appropriate category of enemy all in rhythm with the music. And those are by far the most common. Next most common are the memory dives, which are, which feature Sora kind of gliding along and you hit the notes in time with the music. It's basically the same thing. And there's a whole minor meme about Sora gliding around to scenery of Shion's tragic death scene from Kingdom Hearts days before she came back and other games. The opening sequence of this game is actually the game throwing you into a memory dive of Melody of Memories' opening movie, and I was very disoriented trying to figure out how to play it. Even for a rhythm game, Kingdom Hearts is no stranger to just throwing you into the action and hoping you survive. (laughs) And then you get the boss battle stages. As far as I know, there are really only four in the entire game, and they're all very spread out, and... I was really hoping there'd be more, especially since they make a point of separating some of the boss themes from the worlds in the world tour mode. But no, you just fight Ansem, Zemnis, Maleficent, surprisingly, if not for the trailer, and you fight Master Xehanort at the very end. But it's just kind of upsetting. I really wanted to take another swing at some of these bad guys. This is actually the first time I fought Maleficent in any capacity in Kingdom Hearts because I never got that far in the first game or Birth by Sleep. So as you go through the world map and you do the songs from the different games, I was really wondering what they would do for Kingdom Hearts 3 because that game looked a lot more graphically impressive than all the ones leading up to it. They probably wouldn't get away with using PS2 models of everything, and then I finally got to Toybox, and I found out that they cheated! Instead of letting you run around with Buzz and Woody and beating up Heartless in a toy store, they just turn all the Kingdom Hearts 3 worlds, except for the Keyblade Graveyard, into memory dives. They just have Sora, Gliding over the pre rendered cutscenes of that world with the music in the background, like it's some kind of montage. And I was just like, ah, like that would have been so great if we could have Mike and Sully helping us with the unversed again, or well, or if we could run around to the four different field and battle tracks they had from Tangled and Frozen, but no. And it's really egregious because they have downgraded versions of Sora and Kairi's Kingdom Hearts 3 models. They just didn't think it was worth the trouble of doing that for Mike and Sully and Rapunzel and all those other people. It was also just really shameless of them that they made Let It Go, the song for the Frozen stage. I mean, of course they would do that. They They couldn't not do that. Not after what they did in Kingdom Hearts 3, but... I would have thought that they would have at least put it off to the side as a synthesis song, like they did with a lot of the other classics, like A Whole New World and The Circle of Life. But nope, this is what Frozen gets. Deal with it. This is what Frozen's all about. Uh, They also had this thing where, like... So they had this thing with synthesis, like in the main games, where you could... I guess create materials which you could then use to create items and new songs. And whenever synthesis comes up in Kingdom Hearts, my eyes just kind of glaze over because I never do any of that stuff. I just like to go through the plot and play mini games and visit Pooh Bear and all that stuff. I never really care about crafting. I never really get into crafting systems in video games. Period so I'm missing some of the content from this game because I didn't really want to craft a whole lot, and I guess that's where the majority of the game's memory dive stages come from. Also, I guess there was a feature where you could have Mickey as a temporary party member, but I never really got into that much. Also, the game has multiplayer functionality, but I just kind of blitzed through the whole game on my own over the course of a weekend, so I didn't really do a whole lot with that. I didn't even touch that mode. I've been interested in it, though. I want to see just what that's supposed to be all about. All in all, this game is very similar to Theater Rhythm Final Fantasy. I wouldn't be surprised if they had a lot of the same people working on it. And, to be honest, I think this game and Theater Rhythm both have kind of a cool idea for a crossover where they just put, like, very simple, low-effort character models or sprites together, and just grab all the different songs from throughout the series, and just turn it into a rhythm game. It's a pretty cost-effective way of doing a crossover, and kind of harmless, I think, too. This game was definitely made for me. It's... Kingdom Hearts, it's the music of Kingdom Hearts, no less. It's like Yoko Shimomura finally gets her due, along with the various other composers who've worked on the series over time, because it's not just her. But yeah, finally, we get a bit more of the recognition, because I think Kingdom Hearts... Okay, there's this... Preconception going around that Kingdom Hearts emotional weight is carried entirely by its music, and I think that is a little unfair, but I understand where the sentiment comes from. I don't think the music does it all on its own, but the music does deserve recognition, and this game is basically showcasing all the music throughout the series namely overworld exploration and battle themes, yeah, but the synthesis songs often contain the different character leitmotifs like Sora's theme and Roxas' theme and all that fun stuff. But yeah, this is definitely a game that I wanted as soon as I heard about it, and it just looked better and better as I saw more information about it. And then I was gradually slightly disappointed as I played it, but overall it was a fun experience, and I'm glad I got to play it. I don't regret it. I could even probably come back to it some other time. And now to talk about how this transitions into Kingdom Hearts 4. Over the course of the world tour mode, Kyrie narrates what happened in the different games. Every few worlds or so, she'll bring something up, and then of course, for Kingdom Hearts 3 shilling, she has to invent a lot more stuff to say about that game, because not as much happened in that one, but they wanted to make you think there was. Until we eventually get to the final memory, which is Kyrie's memories of the final world, which is kind of the waiting room before the afterlife, in terms of Kingdom Hearts lore. We finally control Kyrie directly. So far, it's just been Sora, Roxas, Aqua, and Riku again. And we just control her through some memory dives. They're all very simple. Like I played the game on beginner mode, I have to confess, because I felt like, hey, I played Kingdom Hearts 3 on Proud, and I only even died in minigames. I didn't even die... In regular battle, that's pretty good by my standards. I think I deserve to play a game on easy mode. So I don't know how hard some of these songs are supposed to be, but the Kyrie section was pretty simple. And then we run into Master Xehanort, but he's not actually alive, it's just Kyrie's memory of him. So I was like, okay, okay, fair enough. And he's voiced by Christopher Lloyd again. Xehanort used to be voiced by Leonard Nimoy, who has unfortunately passed away, and then for Kingdom Hearts 3, they brought in Rutger Hauer of Blade Runner fame, and he voiced Xehanort, but then he also passed away before they could do the Remind DLC, so they cast Christopher Lloyd instead. And, if I could be honest, Christopher Lloyd is a more fitting replacement for Leonard Nimoy anyway, not to put any disrespect on Rutger's performance, because I thought that was... Not how I pictured Xehanort sounding because Nimoy is so iconic, but Xehanort was like on his last legs before death, so I thought the voice was really fitting for him at the time. But, but uh, Christopher Lloyd really sounds a lot more like Nimoy. Not exactly the same, but a similar sound, if that makes any sense. So they have him back, and. He's the final boss of the game in a song that's just lifted from Kingdom Hearts 3, and he gets a bit of a fight sequence with Kyrie. It's like, finally, Kyrie's actually showing her stuff, and then she gets kind of overwhelmed, and then Sora, who is mysteriously vanished, that's part of the plot of the game, is figuring out where he disappeared to after 3 ended. He kind of helps out from wherever he is because he's connected to Kyrie by way of heart or something. And he takes over the fight. So way to go, Kyrie. You got upstaged in your own game after barely being in it. I I don't know if that's better or worse than what happened to you in Kingdom Hearts 3. I think I think they just kinda they kinda don't know what to do with Kyrie. That's been a sentiment I've had for a long time and I think a lot of other people would agree with me on that one. Kyrie's memory of Xehanort gives her a clue as to how they can find Sora. It's a world where neither dark nor light exist. Kyrie groups up with a couple other characters, and they all decide that, hey, maybe it's not even in reality at all. Maybe he's in unreality. Maybe he's in a fictional world, which I don't exactly know how they came to that, but I it makes enough sense. After a while, you just kind of learn to go with the flows, like, oh, okay, I guess this is a thing in Kingdom Hearts. They, they get a visit from the fairy godmother of all people, who takes Riku and Kairi to the final world, and they talk to this nameless character, who... I I, I was really hoping it was going to be Sora's mom from the first game. I was really, really hoping it was her. But no, she just happened to be from this world that Sora got sent to. And based off Remind, I guess it's pretty plain to see that Sora got sent to the Viram Rex world that was kind of hinted at before, especially with the Yozora boss fight. And Verum Rex is a fictional world in Kingdom Hearts context because it's just a video game that Andy's toys were playing. So it's kind of a weird situation. I guess this is where the series is going now. They're gonna kinda pick up Nomura's old versus thirteen ideas, and somehow they're gonna mix that with the lore of the ancient masters from the phone game that Zigbar brought together. Really, really curious to see how all this is going to fit together. But Kyrie decides that she can't really go help Sora directly. She's not strong enough yet because of how she couldn't even stand up to Xehanort, which I feel like they're just going to... They're going to put Kyrie back in the oven. They're going to try to perfect her one more time, I think, I don't know. Riku goes off to Viram Rex world, I guess, while Kairi tells Mickey, Donald, and Goofy what's up, and they're gonna go catch everyone else up, I guess. And it looks like we're all set for Kingdom Hearts 4, hey! did not take nearly as long as the wait for kingdom hearts 3 unless this is kind of a birth by sleep situation where the next game is still a spin-off but it's considered to be important enough but hey like i said i'm i'm all for it i'm all, i'm along for the ride i want to know what happens next i was i was leaning forward that entire ending sequence i was like yeah yeah what's next what do we do next what what's going on here and that's Kingdom Hearts, Melody of Memory. I am, I am trash for this series, I admit it. I already said that I liked this game. It was made for me, and the plot intrigue, uh, it worked on me. I, I completely understand why it wouldn't impress a lot of other people, but I guess I'm the target audience for this one. Uh, it, was, it was a fun weekend. Anyway, thank you for listening. I'll see you all on the next one. Listen to Bitcast anytime on podcast dot com and on the podcast one app.